Good morning, and welcome to all the saints at faith, and a happy early Father's Day to you as well. I had originally thought of speaking on the book of Exodus once again, but in light of the tragedies and the violence and the chaos that is taking place in America today, I felt that the more urgent topic of fathers might serve us better for the time being. I'm going to make an opening statement that may upset a lot of you uh, listeners this morning, but I believe it is the central cause for the chaos which we see growing out of control all around us today. And if we do not know the cause of the problem, then we will certainly not know how to fix it. And so I want you all to listen to this statement very carefully. The primary reason not only the one but the primary one the primary reason why children turn out rebellious and wicked is because of the absentee fathers did you hear that the primary reason why children turn out rebellious and wicked is because of absentee fathers. And even though the father may be physically there, but is not fulfilling his God-given responsibilities to his family, he is more often than not still an absentee father. There is a reason why God instituted marriage and why families need to have both a father and a mother and why each part of the family unit has his or her roles and responsibilities in that family unit. And if that family unit is working properly, then it becomes a very wonderful thing, and God is pleased and in return showers his blessings continually upon it. But this is a fallen world. It's a fallen race. It's ruined by sin. If left to himself, man will soon not only destroy himself, but also those whom he cares about. We see this playing out before us daily. And yet what the world fails to realize is that when men or women self-destruct because of alcohol abuse, drug addiction, sexual immorality, racism, gambling addiction, murder, robbery, rejection of authority, and so on. These are just the symptoms of an underlying cause, which is sin. Now, we as Christians know that, but unfortunately, many of us behave as though we didn't. What do I mean by that? Well, many Christians disregard what God has commanded us to do, in regards to the family unit, all three have their responsibilities, that is, the father, the mother, and the children. But this morning, I would like for us to focus on the father's role and his responsibilities, which also happens to be the title of our sermon today. The father's role and his responsibilities. But first, Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father and our God, we thank thee so much for another opportunity to hear thy word, 
to study thy word. And Lord, by thy grace, and we pray that by thy spirit, thou might be pleased to teach us what we ought to know from this short message on fathers and their responsibilities. For we ask it in our Savior's name and always for his glory. Amen. The Bible tells us in Exodus 20, verse 12, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. And then it is repeated two more times in the New Testament, confirming to us that this was not just for the Jew, but for us as Christians as well. Let's look at Ephesians 6, verses 1 to 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And then in Colossians chapter 3, verse 20, it's repeated similar uh, instructions. Children, Obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Now, thus far, it seems that we have gone a bit on a tangent. We've been looking at the children's role, uh, which is honoring and obeying their parents. But this must be taught and taught by the fathers. It's not a natural instinct in children to be obedient but rather the opposite. They are naturally inclined to sin and to be disobedient. No child is ever needed to be taught how to lie, how to steal, how to rebel. But the opposite is always necessary. The child needs to be taught how to behave properly and responsibly, and that is the father's most important and most difficult role. Often because fathers are not aware of their spiritual role in the household. But God tells fathers and mothers indirectly if the father should be unable to. In Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 6 to 7. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And then in Proverbs 22, verse 6, we are taught, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. But that is not easy. There is opposition both from the child and the wicked one and also from the world. But the scriptures tell us again in Proverbs 19:18, Chasten thy son while there is hope and let not thy soul spare for his crying. It is a very arduous task teaching the truth of God to a young child. 
but it must be done for his or her soul's sake. I want to remind the parents who have taken this responsibility lightly of this one fact. The only thing you will ever be able to take to heaven with you someday is your children and your grandchildren. And that is why it is worth the battle. Let me also relate to you a personal story that happened some 27 years ago when I was teaching a youth group at our former chapel. Every Friday night, I would teach the scriptures for an hour. Solid, no-holds-barred teaching, avoiding no controversial passages or sensitive issues. I was straightforward with them. Anything they wanted to know, I expounded what the scriptures taught. Premarital sex, rock music, salvation by faith through grace alone, divine preservation of scriptures in the King James Version, etc., and so on. There were 21 different churches represented in that youth Bible study, which also included a wide age group, anywhere from 12 years old to 35 years old. And we would have about 40 youths appear generally. Truth knows no age barriers. And every night before they left, I challenged them with this question. If you were to die tonight, where would you end up? In heaven with Jesus or in hell for all eternity? They all listened very intently. But one Friday evening stood out in our minds and will do so forever. For later that evening, five young people from their school were killed in a car accident. Careless, carefree driving by a young teenager took not only his life, but the lives of four of his friends. There would have been another friend that night, but his parents refused to let him go with the others because it was too late and they feared for his son's safety. There was a big fight, but the parents prevailed, and the son lived. The following Friday, there was a bigger group at our Bible study, and friends were now concerned about their friends' souls as well. You see, dearly beloved, God wants only the best for us. Satan hates the soul and will do everything in his power to destroy it. So the Father's most important and difficult role is to teach his children the things of God and to bring his children to the Lord and get them saved. Secondly, the Father must be a provider for his family. As best he can, he is to provide for his family's physical needs, such as a roof over their head, food, clothing, and so on. That one is more obvious. But there are also other needs that fathers must provide. A father must love the children's mother. He must show her his love for her openly. And oh, how important this point is. Husbands, you need to openly, regularly, and sincerely express your love for your wives, not only by hugging them and kissing them, 
but also by speaking kindly to them, so that your children may observe your example and develop the security of knowing that dad loves my mom, and when the tough times come, we will all get through them. And fathers, remember this, that your sons and your daughters will learn from your example far more effectively than from your words. So if you set a good example, then you will have good results most of the time. And I say most of the time because the bottom line is that we are all accountable for our own actions. And sometimes, sometimes, no matter how hard the parents try to raise good children, some will still go down the wrong paths. Judas Iscariot is a good example of that. He had the same training, the same opportunities, the same Lord as did the other disciples, but he chose a different path, and that path led to his destruction. Then thirdly, the father's role is to pray for his family. If he is wise, then he will realize that the real provider and the real protector of his family is none other than God Almighty. He will daily pray for his family's needs, not only for their necessities, but also for other things such as wisdom to know how to lead and for courage to do what is right and for a godly spouse for his children someday. And when there is a crisis in the home, he will go on bended knee before the Lord and ask for help, for guidance, for grace. When something wonderful has happened, he will encourage his family by praying together and giving God the praise and the thanks and all the glory. And when he spends those serious moments with his children to help them with their dilemmas, he will teach them to seek the Lord's help. And yes, the Lord is very good at solving homework issues or broken toys, or a wounded ego. If fathers teach their children to pray, then they will always have someone with them to see them through the storms of life. Someone who will guide them through the fog. Someone who will give them courage and hope for tomorrow, while others all around them are in despair. Children who trust the Lord as their Savior early in their lives will always be better prepared to navigate the challenges of life and better prepared to discern the difference between good and evil, right and wrong, and will know that He, God, their Savior, will never leave them nor forsake them. And fourthly, the father's responsibility is to also be his family's protector. Now, this one is a little more difficult to define, but and uh, let alone put into practice. But the Standard College Dictionary defines the word to protect as to shield or defend from attack, harm, or injury. Thus, a protector is one who shields, defends from attack, harm, or injury 
those whom he loves, that is, his family. Now, this one is vitally important to understand. We saw how that the first and primary role of the parent was to teach and train his or her children in the way that they should go. But that is a long process. It takes many years to fully train the child for adulthood. And in the process, there will be many delays. But during that training period, so to speak, the child is defenseless against the evils of this world. His or her innocence is easily taken advantage of and subverted. One of our greatest failures in society today is higher institutes of learning, which should be teaching solid academics, but instead they are inculcating unsuspecting students with subversive ideologies and mantras. Instead of graduating with viable, practical degrees, these young people emerge as radical activists, fighting for every cause, yet unrestrained by any moral principles which invariably results in chaos and destruction and ultimately benefits no one. As parents, as fathers especially, we need to be vigilant and guide their schooling and their education to keep them prepare for their futures, to help them prepare for their futures. Teenage years are the most difficult for both the parents and the children. So many dangers to avoid, bad friends, bad choices, bad consequences. But this is where fathers need to be strong, strong for their children and to love them regardless, because that love is what is going to make the difference one day. Even rebellious children in their worst hour know whether dad cares for them and loves them in spite of their deeds. After all, he has proven it day after day, month after month, year after year. And by God's grace, this too may have a happy ending. Now, there are many more things we can say about fathers and their responsibilities in the family unit. But our time is slowly ticking away. So let me say this in a way of summary before we close. All of us as fathers have failed in some measure or other. But that is not to say it has been in vain. God is the one who gave us our fathers. And sometimes, in certain cases, we cannot see any good that could possibly have come from such a father. But often, as the child grows up and the father is no longer alive, the child begins to marvel at how well his or her father did his job. Circumstances do affect us. They either make things easier for us or harder. And often they have a large part in the final outcome. For those of us who have had good fathers, we give God all the thanks and the glory. And for those of us who have 
not had very good fathers. The Bible directs us to still give God thanks. For we are told in Ephesians 5 verse 20, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. God wants us to be a grateful people. Twice we are commanded in the Bible to be thankful. Psalm 100 verse 4 tells us, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. And then in Colossians chapter 3 verse 15, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Oh, I'm so very thankful for the Father I had, the Father that my Savior gave me. My Father taught me commitment both to family and to work. There were many problems which we faced as a family. Many fathers would have left and said, I don't need this. His job in a steel factory was dirty, hard, low-paying, and very, very dangerous. But never once did I ever hear him say, I hate this job and I'm going to quit. He, he had very little himself in the way of material things. His whole wardrobe fit into a tiny bedroom closet of 30 inches wide. He never drove a car, never took a vacation, never squandered his money, and never ever complained about being poor. But somehow, by God's marvelous grace, this poor Ukrainian immigrant father was able to put two sons through university, help finance their first car, and help buy their first home. Sacrifice was my father's that is a concept that is sadly lacking today, sacrifice. All great fathers make sacrifices. And the greatest sacrifice ever made was made by the greatest father of all on a hill at called Calvary some 2,000 years ago. There, God our Heavenly Father gave his only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be our sacrifice for our sins. He became the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And by the shedding of his pure and sinless blood, he redeemed us from a lost eternity and gave us eternal life. Oh, dearly beloved, we have so much to be thankful for this Father's Day and every day. God loved us so much that he sacrificed his only begotten son on the cross of Calvary so that all our sins might be forgiven and that we might have everlasting life and spend it in his glorious presence one day. Could there have ever been a greater gift? Before we close in prayer, may I encourage you all to thank your fathers 
if they are still alive. Thank them for being your father. And if they are gone, why not visit their gravesite and thank the Lord Let's pray. Father, we do thank thee so much for our fathers and our mothers and the families that thou hast given us. And we pray that as we contemplate this Father's Day, the fathers that we did have, that we might see the goodness and the grace in each of them so that we might follow the good example that they set before us. And for the things that perhaps they failed in, Lord, that we might take notice of it and be certain to not fall into the same traps. Part us now, we pray, with thy richest blessings. And if the Lord be not come, may it please thee once again for us to meet around thy word on the Lord's day, we pray. For we ask it always in our Savior's name and for his glory. Amen.